Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. We're the hosts of the Places Where We Go podcast. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places in our own local backyard. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Welcome back, and we're here with another episode of The Places Where We Go, and today we're going to take you on our recent trip to Denver, Colorado. I personally have never been there to Colorado at all, so this was a new trip for me. New for you. Yeah, my, so my experience with Colorado is I had one trip when I was a teenager with my parents to Colorado Springs that was by car from Los Angeles. And we drove through the Rockies while there was road construction. So that gave us lots of opportunities to soak up the Rocky Mountains. Other than Colorado Springs, many work trips to the Denver airport, Airport, but never in Denver proper. So Mm -hmm. first time in Denver, Colorado for both of us. And why is it that we went to Denver, Julie? Because we are Anaheim Duck hockey fans. Let's go Ducks. And we're trying to visit uh, all the stadiums in the NHL where the Anaheim Ducks are playing. So we have been to a few. This trip was number six for us. This is going to be a long time, multi-year NHL arena bucket list. And we're probably going to be able to average and have been averaging about a trip a year. So, so far, we've knocked off the ones that are within driving distance of where we live. So, we've gone to Staples Center for the LA Kings. Arizona for the Coyotes. Obviously, Anaheim for the Anaheim right, Ducks. Right. San Jose, mm-hmm. where the Sharks the play. Sharks. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Las Vegas for the Vegas Knights. For the Knights, which was a fun one. That was a fun one. Yeah, and I think out of every place that we've been to so far, the Vegas Stadium by far has probably the most festive, entertaining atmosphere. You know, it's kind of like quasi like a show when you think of... Uh, right. It's, it's almost like... It's what, Vegas, yeah, baby. what you'd expect in Vegas. <laughs> We've run out of places we can get to by car, so Denver is the first NHL arena trip that we've... Uh, We've needed to fly on an airplane. Right. So... Um, and, and there was three of us on this trip. We did take our son, Adam... Because it was this whole thing was his idea to begin with. That's right. So That's right. I think it was like four Thanksgivings ago. We were sitting around our dining room table, and he threw out this idea of, "Hey, I'm going to go to every NHL arena," and I said, "You ain't doing that without us." <laughs> and so off we've been over the last few years, and uh, this recent trip to Denver, Colorado. The Pepsi Center is where the Colorado Avalanche play. That's their home stadium. It's really close to I thought the Honda Center. So in terms was, of its in terms atmosphere. of kind of, you know, its look and and uh yeah. the feel of it and um kind of a kind of ovalish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Yeah, and even the 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 color of the building from the outside looked very right, similar to yeah. Honda Center. Yeah, so it seemed really similar to that, but uh really had a good time, but we will get to the game a little later. A little bit later. Yeah. So the other thing that's different for us on this trip is the five prior visits that we've taken to the hockey arenas, those have all been to the game and back. So no additional time for any sightseeing, given that this trip, especially, you know, that we had to get on an airplane to get there while we have work and life schedules that we have to work around. We wanted to make a full weekend out of it. So we ended up leaving on a Friday after work and gave ourselves pretty much all of Saturday and a good chunk of Sunday to not only get in the game, but to get in a bit of sightseeing in Denver and around Denver. Right. We had all of Saturday morning. The game was in the evening. Mm -hmm. And then we had most of Sunday and then we flew out on Sunday evening. So it was a good chunk of time. Yeah. And just for a better perspective... You know, on the financial side of like what a trip like this, you know, costs, you know, so for us, on the one hand, this was a fairly quick weekend trip, but we did have to pay for airfare, hotel, 
you know, some food and, you know, minor miscellaneous. Mm -hmm. The Um, tickets itself. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Let's not forget the tickets to the game. So this is probably about a $600 a person trip for a weekend trip. So another reason why it's going to take us multiple years to knock off every stadium. But there's also going to be some down the road, I think, especially when, when we get to the East Coast. So I think like when we get to New York, you know, one trip there, we should be able to knock off where the Rangers play, where the Islanders play, and the New Jersey Devils right, at the minimum. Stadiums, right, so there, right. and there's places I think also like when we go to Calgary, we'll probably do Calgary and Edmonton on one trip. So there's a number of them down the road where where we should be able to do multiple stadiums in one trip. But you've got some like Colorado. There's really nothing nearby. Same thing with San Jose and. Probably in a season or two when Seattle starts playing, that one actually we may be able to bundle up Seattle and Vancouver. Right. So we left from LAX. And after that experience... Of leaving LAX? Of leaving LAX, I believe I said, can't we go out of Burbank, honey? Because LAX is a mess. I don't enjoy LAX just because, you know, I think about other airports in the country and... It seems like so many of the other airports, it's so much easier to get into the general airport area. Los Angeles International, you're battling with the traffic on the 405 freeway, which... And it it all seems to be getting worse. That's the... I mean, LAX didn't seem to be as congested and crazy as it is present day. It just seems much more... Intense and congested. Yeah. This was also the first time that we were using one of the new parking lots there. So there's always been this parking lot C that I've parked at for decades. And that parking lot is no longer available. So there's a new parking lot that's on the south side of the airport. We tried it for the first time this go around. I wasn't sure how big it was, if it was going to be a problem to get a Mm -hmm. parking spot. You know, lucky for us on a Friday afternoon, we pulled in and within probably going down two aisles or so, we did find a spot. It looked pretty full, yeah. but we were able to find a spot pretty quick. We were able to get on a shuttle pretty quick. For me on this trip, the getting to the airport wasn't nearly as bad as the experience that I think we always have at the end of the trip. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when, when you're done with your trip and you're at the airport, you just want to get home. And at LAX... I mean, you could be waiting for your shuttle back to the parking structure for way too long. And in fact, on this particular trip, our bus was full. You know, we were able to get on a bus fairly quickly because we were out of one of the first terminals. But we were driving by some of the other ones and we we came across some pretty frustrated people. People were saying they've been waiting for an hour. An hour. The and bus they, driver. And they were, were told they couldn't get on that bus. Yeah, you have to wait for the full. next one. And there were several stops where people said, what, I got to wait another hour? Yeah. So not the best experience. Yeah, I think moving forward, we are going to try to see if we can do our flights out of Burbank just, you know, for no other reason when we're done with the trip to be able to get home quicker and without the craziness Mm -hmm. of the crazy traffic that is around Los Angeles International Airport the not knowing when you're going to get on a shuttle and just trying to get home quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Now, they did uh, start a new system after we got back, and I think within a week or a few days. Yeah. So we'll see how that works out. It's called LA Exit. Um, It has to do with Uber and Lyft and taxis. They've moved them to a particular spot, Mm -hmm. and you take a bus from the terminal to this spot if you want uh, an Uber, a Lyft, or a taxi. Um, So far, it's implemented. There's been a lot of complaints. People really don't like it. So let's see if they clean it up a little bit. It's been making the news. More frustrated people. (laughs) Let's jump ahead to Denver, though. Okay. (laughs) get ourselves out of Los Angeles. We landed in Denver probably close to midnight-ish or so. We found a hotel that was within, I don't know, 15 minutes or so of the airport. So Mm -hmm. we're... We got there pretty quick, and you know we were basically ready for exploring on Saturday morning. Right. So you know, we got ourselves a good probably you know seven hours of sleep or so. Mm-hmm. There was a buffet breakfast at the hotel, which you weren't aware of, so that was a nice surprise. Yeah, well, I was when I booked the trip, but that was a little while ago, and so I just forgot about oh, it. Okay. So I was thinking we were going to have to go to the city for breakfast. So that that was a nice reminder surprise that there was breakfast included with our um, fee for the hotel. Mm-hmm. 
So after breakfast, we jumped in the car and headed off to downtown Denver. I had, before we went, kind of mapped out things that we might do. The basic plan for Saturday afternoon was to try to soak up you know, as much of downtown Denver as possible. And the starting point for us was going to be Union Station. But let's talk a little bit about downtown. We started in uh, Lower Downtown, also known as Lodo, and we found a parking spot with a little bit of difficulty. I think we were looking mm-hmm. for something that was really close to Pepsi Center. Mm-hmm. So um, we kind of went around in circles for a little bit to find something that would work for us. The fees were reasonable. I didn't think they were outlandish. Yeah, well, so um, we were looking at the fees on the parking lots, and I think in at least when we go to the games at the Honda Center or once in a blue moon to Staples Center in Los Angeles, parking for the game itself is either 20 bucks or now 25 bucks. So we were expecting at least that much. And I think we found a place where the signage said it was going to be... 24 for all day. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, I thought that's reasonable. Yeah. So, But we started... We were going to do outdoor parking and then we exited from wherever from that particular parking spot because i told you there was an underground right next Mm -hmm. to it so we went pulled out of that spot and went to the underground parking which was much better choice i thought yeah we decided that we wanted you know a good place to leave the car because once we parked it that's you know we were gonna be walking all day and we weren't gonna go back to the car that was the plan until yeah. after the game. So we needed a good all-day spot yeah. and, and found one that was within a few short steps of both Pepsi Center as well as Union Station, yeah. which was going to be kind of the start of our exploration of downtown. Yeah. So we parked and off we went. To see Denver. And so let's talk a little bit about Denver. So Denver has the 10th largest downtown in all of America. It's fairly walkable. Within a mile radius, you've got three major sports centers in Denver. You've got the nation's second largest performing arts center, three colleges, a whole bunch of museums, art museums, history museums. You've got the Denver Mint, a river that offers white water rafting if you're into that. Tons of hotels, a downtown theme and water park, downtown aquarium, restaurants. If you know, it's kind of like whatever you want. Downtown Denver most likely has it. Yeah, it's a very beautiful city. Mm-hmm. I thought very clean. I thought very too. clean, extremely walkable. Didn't run into any situations or anything that spelt potential danger to me. I nope. felt very comfortable. Comfortable and safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we started at Union Station with our exploration. So this was on, I guess maybe we can kind of paint a a little mental map of downtown Denver. So you've got the layout is on on one end, you've got Union Station, which anchors, I think it's the north end, at least the way that's the way I I, picture it that way. Yeah, yeah, I, I have it in my head. And then you've got several avenues that proceed from that general area down to the south to the Civic Center. Mm-hmm. And from Union Station to the Civic Center itself is one mile. Yeah. So we started at Union Station and we were going to make our way down to the Civic Center. That yeah. was the plan for the day. I actually thought that we'd be able to get in probably a couple of museums <laughs> as we'll you know walk you through what we did. Yeah. Things ended up being a little bit different. Yeah. And, and the city's pretty much on a grid. So it's really mm-hmm. easy to navigate it. Uh, once you get towards the Civic Center area, I think it gets a little bit, not hard, but, you know, you got a little more turns that and streets that turn into other things that you're, I tend to get a little bit confused, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. It's, it's a really easy city to navigate. Yeah. What were your impressions of Union Station? Union Station was, it reminded me of like a movie set. Hmm. I pictured the old trains coming mm-hmm. in way back because it was older. It, it's a historic building. Yeah, built in 1880. Yeah, so it had that look to it. Uh, yet in the inside, it was totally refurbished and it had a hotel upstairs. You didn't really get to walk through much of the station. There was just one area looked like it was for the public and it was quite small. But mm. it was decorated for the holidays. To me, it was... Um, Busy, yeah, but not crazy busy. It was a fun place. Mm. 
I thought it had a classy look once you got mm-hmm. inside. Yeah. Compare, especially compared to other train stations that we've been to in the U.S. You know, I think about what's the central station we have in downtown Los Angeles, also called Union Station. It's probably. also called Union yeah. Station. Yeah. So, and not that that is completely shabby, but I mean, this one in Denver was notably clean. Yeah. Had a nice timeless 1930s 40 kind yeah. of ambiance almost yeah. you had restaurants inside and around bars inside and and in and around i would recommend la's union station i think it's the antiquity of it is amazing yeah it's historic um, it's very historic but it is different yeah and people in denver seem to be friendly mm-hmm. and approachable yeah on Union Station, when I read about this one on TripAdvisor, there was people who were saying that you could spend two to three hours at Union Station. So I was expecting something much more expansive and like lots of shops and corridors and places to explore. As you noted, it was fairly small. Well, I I think the access to the hotel guests was quite extensive but but for tourists for tourists there wasn't much right so i mean i don't know how you would get two to three hours out of it unless you spend an hour for lunch and another half hour at a bar for drinks or something i mean Mm. i think you can get in and out i mean we did in a fairly short amount of time yeah we were there on a saturday morning and it also turned out that in front of union station and i don't know if there's other days of the week that this happens or not but there was a farmer's market that was happening Right. And they had some very interesting booths, a lot of great food, Mm -hmm. a lot of art booths that I wish that I could have bought a few things, but Mm. I didn't want to uh, carry anything back. So I held myself back. Not there for the shopping. No. One of the cool things that we saw also at Union Station as we were exiting, we passed a sign that was discussing the 105th Meridian. And it actually turned out that the 105th Meridian runs right through Union Station. And so we we took a couple of minutes and grabbed some photos, some goofy photos with us posing on the 105th Meridian. Yes, there is a Meridian line that is in a it's in brass or something Mm -hmm. metal. And it actually goes right through the Union Station and and they have it all mapped out there. So I thought it was great. Yeah, I, I thought it was cool. And probably something that if you're if you're traveling there with your kids and if they've been through geography class recently, then you can probably connect the lesson from the meridians from geography class yeah. to actually standing on one of them right here at Union Station. Yeah, and if you go inside, there's a map, a world map mm-hmm. that um, shows you the prime meridian that goes through the London mm-hmm. area, and then this meridian. What was it? Hundred and fifth. 105. 105th Meridian that goes right through Union Station. Yeah. So if you have more time available on your trip to Union Station, the Crawford Hotel, which sits in the station, they offer tours, which are available on the weekends, Friday through Sunday at 1 p.m., also many other days at 4 p.m., so $20 a person, and part of those proceeds benefit the Crawford's Dollars for Dreams nonprofit partners. You can get a one-hour tour that showcases Union Station's history, art, transportation, restaurants, retail space, and the luxury guest rooms of the hotel. And each tour is also followed by complimentary Union Station Kolsch, house, which is a beer, House red or white wine or a non-alcoholic beverage at the terminal bar. So that's Union Station. And that was the beginning of our downtown exploration. And then we left Union Station and we were looking for 16th Street because you had information about... Well, I think I just had information that this was um, a notable walkway, kind of a tourist Walkway, And it was exactly one mile. Yeah, to get you from where we started to the Civic Center. And on this one mile, they did have a free bus ride that will take you that whole mile of 16th Street up and down. Mm -hmm. You jump on, jump off anywhere you want. And it was absolutely free. So that was really nice, especially for us, because we had a couple moments where we decided we had to go back to the car to get uh, somebody's ID. And uh, (laughs) it wasn't me. Yeah, so I wasn't, and it wasn't me either. <laughs> so that leaves one other person. Yes. Yeah, so I wasn't expecting that we were going to use the, the bus, but we actually used it a couple of times. We used so it, it, yeah. it came in handy. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we basically started down 16th Street. And it's interesting because before this trip, I was listening to some other podcasts just to get some ideas about what to do on a weekend in Denver. And one of the ones that I listened to actually recommended to bypass 16th Street Mall. So, hmm. you know, they were recommending some other you know things, probably, you know, some of the museums, et cetera. I'm actually glad that we didn't take that advice because we walked entirety of 16th right. Street. Right. And that gave us an opportunity just to kind of soak up some of the vibe of the downtown area, yeah. see, you know, some things. And we always like to take you know, have our cameras and take photos. And there was lots of photo opportunities mm-hmm. up and down 16th Street. I did have a cup of tea before we had even hit 16th Street. Because as we left Union Station, there was this little VW bug. That, that caught our eye. caught our eye. And it was set up uh, as a little coffee station, which I thought was the coolest thing. So here's this guy sitting in his VW bug. He's got the whole thing set up to make coffee and tea mm-hmm. for anybody that wanted. So I had to do it. It was yeah. just one of those things I had to do. So I think he's there kind of often, it sounds like. It was called On the Road Coffee was yeah. painted on the side of his VW. Very nice guy. Yeah. So you Funding got- his, I forgot, what, he was funding trips or he was funding school. I can't remember what he was funding, but... For him, that was a good chunk of income that he was using. Whatever it was, we helped him out. So you had a tea. Our son had a cold brew. Yeah. I took photos. (laughs) Yeah, he didn't want it this time. Yeah. So we're making our way down 16th Street. And one of the things I spied close by that I just wanted to get to for no no other reason but the photo opportunity, the convention center was just uh, about two blocks to one side of 16th Street. I had seen a photo of this a couple of days before we left on our trip. And there, the thing that caught my eye is in front of the convention center, there's this ginormous blue bear that's positioned to be kind of looking inside the convention center. Yeah, with this pause on the windows. Yeah, so I believe it's called I See What You Mean is my notes that I have from an art installation by an artist by the name of Lawrence Argent, which is also known, the installation is also known as the Big Blue Bear. So if you're walking by the convention center, you can't miss it. Um, this Great bear, photo opportunity. 40 feet high bear. Mm-hmm. It weighs 10,000 pounds. And we got some pretty cool photos. Yeah, so we so did. That, was, that was neat. Yeah. And then we were off. We went back to 16th Street, I believe. Yep. And we started off on that journey on 16th Street. Towards the Capitol. Towards the Capitol. We saw um, a lot of shops, mm-hmm. um, restaurants, just the, just the whole vibe was, it had a downtown vibe. Mm-hmm. And it was, there was fun to it. I mean, people were shopping, enjoying themselves, mm-hmm. having coffee and um, and we had gr- great weather a Saturday nice afternoon, walk. like 70 yeah. degrees or so, yeah. sunshine. So, you know, beautiful yeah. day. I overdressed, I think. I expected Colder. something cooler. Yeah. But we made our way finally to the Capitol. And one of the, the attractions for the Capitol, even though there wasn't going to be tours because it was closed because of the weekend, Denver being known as the Mile High City is known that because it's actually a mile high. And when you get to the Capitol, I think it's the, the 13th, 13th step. 13th step. Um, yeah. Has noted on it that that's the point in the city or one of the points that's exactly one mile high. Mm-hmm. So we hiked our way up there and got ourselves some photos. photos. So that was kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. And it was overlooking uh, a lot of the city. Mm-hmm. And it really was beautiful. I mean, you could see the mountain range and clear blue sky. It was just very beautiful. Right across the street from the Capitol, there is the Smoky Hill Trail Monument, which we also passed by. And this represented the immigrant and stage road that extended from the Mississippi River that was traveled by pioneers in the 1850s. And this trail was used by prospectors as the most direct route west to Colorado to its gold fields during the Pikes Peak Gold Rush. And later it served as the path westward for American settlers before being gradually superseded by the Kansas Pacific Railway. So we've got a monument there that um, I think we also stopped at and, mm-hmm. and probably took some photos of as we well, took, too. Yeah. yeah, You did forget the little plaques on the street before we reached the oh, uh, yeah. capital. 
So we're going to back up just a bit. So as we were making our way down 16th Street again, and this probably came from some internet research that I did, there was these plaques that caught my eye that I just I wanted to get some photos of. But they there was like plaques of commemorating the Denver omelet. So you went in Denver. Um, that's one of those iconic foods that's named after Denver. So I had in my notes that these plaques were on 16th Street in California. So California mm-hmm. crosses 16th Street about halfway from Union Station to Civic yeah, Center. Yeah. So we're on this corner, and I thought I had read that the plaques were on mounted on walls. So I'm looking on the walls on yeah. 16th Street around the corner. Don't see any plaques. I'm looking on the walls on California Street on the, around the same corner. I don't see any plaques. And, you know, kind of scratching my head. And this was around the the place that we did kind of make the detour to go to the convention center. Uh-huh, right. So on the way back, there was a visitor center. So we right. stopped in there and asked the guy, where are the plaques? And he didn't know, which was quite funny. Yeah. But I think what he did, you were trying to explain it to him. And I think he didn't realize till the end of the conversation what you were really talking about yeah because then finally he says what do you mean the ones on the street right there and yeah. he pointed <laughs> on, on the sidewalk yeah. so i walked outside and all i had to do was look down and there was plaque after plaque after plaque after plaque so it reminds uh, me of um in poland when we were looking for um oh the little dwarves the little dwarves the krasnoliki yes yeah, so we're always looking on the ground on the ground and we didn't realize that there was some on the poles there was some yeah. and also when we were in england we spotted those blue plaques which were on which walls. were on the walls yeah. so and, all of a sudden and, and, we started looking at walls yeah and, and those were plaques that commemorated where famous people had once had, lived had lived yeah. yeah but but the ones in denver probably may be more similar to the walk of fame stars on hollywood yeah. boulevard in california much smaller if you're not looking down, you're going to miss them because they don't. They didn't jump off the sidewalk. No, they to, didn't jump off uh, the sidewalk. But I think my point is, is that in every city uh, you go to, I bet there's commemorated plaques and things like that that we're not aware of. Mm-hmm. So keep your eyes open because they mm-hmm. are kind of fun to spot. Yeah. So after getting some photos around the Capitol, another spot that I had on the notes as a possible place to go to was the Molly Brown House and Museum, which mm-hmm. is within fairly close to where the Capitol was. So another, what, five, ten minute walk, ten minutes tops, I think, yeah, from the Capitol. Yeah, for me it seemed forever, but... Because you were getting warm by that I time. Was, yes. So we made our way to the Molly Brown House, thought we'd be able to go in and tour, and so this is going to be part of our tips for you if you travel to Denver. The Molly Brown House appear, appears to be fairly popular. Yes. So much so that if you didn't have at least our experience, not having advanced reservations and tickets. By the time that we got there kind of late afternoon, we found that the visiting there was sold out for the day. And even into Sunday was kind of iffy. You know, they mentioned if we wanted to get in the next day, we'd have to get there to show pretty up. much right at opening and, mm-hmm. and try to get some of the few leftover tickets that were available. Right. So we did not get to go inside the museum. We did take some photos on the outside if you're planning a trip to Denver and if you would like to go in, I would highly recommend, you know, trying to get some reservations before Online your Online reservations, trip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and, and for us, I mean, I think even if I knew that, though, I don't know that I would have done that because I don't know by, like, what time we would have got there. I wanted to make sure that we had time just to get that general mm-hmm. soaking up the downtown and we, we would get to what we got to. Mm-hmm. By the time we got to the Molly Brown house, it was probably now three four in yeah. the afternoon or yeah. so so mm-hmm. we, we did spend i don't know five hours or so kind of Just exploring walking. the downtown yeah. area yeah kind of soaking it we up stopped in the cathedral mm-hmm. just kind yeah. of peaked so at that. there's the cathedral basilica of the immaculate conception that's just beyond the capital so between the capital and the molly brown house so that was built in the the construction of it started in 1902 the cathedral was finished in 1911. It can fit 800 worshipers. We stopped inside mm-hmm. for a brief moment. Yeah, just for a, yeah. For a couple minutes. And yeah. So after Molly Brown Museum, you uh, noted there were some other museums in the area. By that time, I was pretty hot. I was tired. I don't know what was going on with me, but it's like I needed to sit down. Yeah, and I think we also realized by that time that there probably wouldn't be enough time to do justice to a, yeah. a museum because it was 
late afternoon and we need, we still needed to have time for dinner and then, you know, make our way to yeah. the game. So, so yeah. So uh, you, we sat for a little bit cause I needed to, but, mm-hmm. and then we were going back to, um, the parking space to go back to the car so we can get ready for the game. Yeah. So we did take the bus, which was nice. Yeah. To get back to, yeah, to union station area. But then once we got there, then the next stop was dinner. Before the game, we decided to have dinner. We want. We were also in the mood for beers, mm-hmm. so we found the the Wincoop Brewing Company, which was just to I think the east of Union Station, on the same street that Union Station is on. So this was a neat place. You know, it was hopping. There was a lot of people there. A lot of people. It looked like an historic building. Yeah, and they brewed their own beer. Plus, they had some other brews from other breweries that were available too, but mostly mm-hmm. it looked like it was their own. So I had an ESB. You had a... A Belgian. Yeah, from Omegong. Mm-hmm. And we both had fish and chips. Yes, which is quite rare for us. But you know, when you're traveling, you tend to do things that are probably not the best for you. Yeah, not the healthiest. Yeah. So, yeah but I, it was very good. It yeah. was The fish was really good, tender. I like the crust. I didn't finish my chips. I usually avoid fish and chips because um, I don't know if they do this throughout all of the United States, but in California, you know, the the trend lately or probably the law is to put calorie counts on menus. And whenever I oh. see fish and chips on a menu, more often than not, the calorie count is almost my allotment oh, for the day. it's all fried. Yeah. It's, it's every bit of it's fried. And, and it's not the healthiest. Yes. But once but in a blue moon, it's good. So. <laughs> We hardly ever get fish and chips, and so you see how crazy we are. This year, we've had two, <laughs> two fish and chips, once in Denver and once in London. So that, that, that's kind of like an annual record for us. Yes. And after dinner, it was time to go to the game. So that, that was the whole purpose of us being in Denver. Right. So we went back to the car because that's where our um, Anaheim Ducks gear was, our, our jerseys and our hats and all that kind of stuff. Had to be dressed appropriately. Yes. We had to, we had to make known that we were Duck fans. Have indeed. to represent. Yes. So we, we got to the center a little more than an hour before game time. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we wanted to get there early just to make sure that we could get into the... Uh, the game store or the arena store. We know that sometimes getting to those stores within these arenas can be really chaotic. Lots of people start, that's where they start off and they buy their gear, they buy all their stuff. So it usually is quite packed and there's a lot of people. So we got in there pretty quickly mm-hmm. and uh, you and Adam um, have your, for each stadium that you visit or arena that you visit, you get a hockey puck yep. with the team's insignia on it. The home team there. Yeah, the home yeah. team. So that was your sixth one, I believe. Number six. Yeah, so you got that. And we ran into this couple that were also Anaheim Duck fans. And they said that they were also buying hockey pucks for the same reason, because mm-hmm. they're doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Although they have visited many more arenas than we have. Yeah, much further along than we are, but yeah. we will get there one day. Yeah. So it was fun to talk to them. Yeah. We had a good time talking to them. And they had said that there's a group of people that are Anaheim Duck fans that do this to sometimes together. Yeah, I so think they're they go, called the diehards. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that was fun to get that information. So that's something we can look into and see. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised for like most cities that they probably have traveling groups or tours available because, you know, kind of this bouncing around from arena to arena Mm -hmm. is, you know, depending on, you know, if you if you follow hockey or football or baseball, sports fans do like to go to the different, you know, ballparks or arenas. So we are a hockey fan. So we're doing this. But whatever sport you follow... This is one of the ways that you could turn your sports passion and, you know, being a fan into a way to travel mm-hmm. also. Right. So this is something that, that, that we're doing. So it's going to get us to probably, you know, 20 or so cities over the mm-hmm. course of, you know, a, a number of years. But, um, you know, and as we're talking about on this podcast, this one took us to Denver. You had bought the tickets, so I had no idea where we were sitting and uh, we got into the stadium, and we were so close. Closest to we've the ever, ice. ever been. It was awesome. 
The only thing that was a little bit hard was trying to see through the glass yes. as they were playing. So we were on the sixth row. I got the tickets on StubHub, and I don't know why it turned out to be that this way, but the price of these tickets was kind of comparable to what I've paid for tickets at, at other games that we've gone to. So I thought, hey, sixth row is going to be really close. It's going to be a great experience. So let you know, let's go and it for was. it. And you know, so the one thing I would note is when the play was on our side of the ice, the view was spectacular mm-hmm. of what was going on, and mm-hmm. you were like right there with the players. As soon as the play drifted to the other side of the ice, our seats were so low that you had to look through the glass. And the further the play got away, kind of the more almost blurry it got. Yeah, it really warped your your eyesight as you're looking through this glass. It warped the vis- visual on the other yeah. side. So you couldn't really see what was going on. Yeah, I found myself kind of the way I adapted is as the game went on, when they were on our side of the ice, I would watch it, you know, through the glass. And whenever they got to the other side of the ice, I found myself looking at the big screen instead. So, you know, one of my takeaways from this is even though it was a neat experience to be kind of that close, I think in the future, probably row 12, 13 or a little bit higher higher. to be higher than the glass is probably better for hockey. Yeah. At least that's that's the way it turned out for us yeah. at the Pepsi Center. I don't know if other arenas, if that visual through the glass is any better or, or if it's like that everywhere. So. Well, or if you are dealing, because we were on the curve. Yeah. Um, if you're dealing maybe more center ice. Yeah. I don't know if that would be a better visual. Yeah. Too, I mean, but. I had one opportunity a few years back to sit. It was either the first or second row, but right behind the goal. Mm-hmm. And that was at Staples Center. And I don't remember kind of that visual blurriness that mm-hmm. we experienced mm-hmm. at Pepsi Center. It could be the curve of the eye. Yeah. It, it, of the, I'm sorry. Of the it glass. could be the curve of the glass. Yeah. But I did notice when when I sat behind the goal, if you get ever get an opportunity to do that, it's an amazing ex- experience. Because when that puck comes flying <laughs> straight at you, you really get a... You, that's probably the most that you can appreciate how fast that puck is really moving. Yeah. And I almost got whiplash. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. We went to the game, had a great experience there. You know, being in the arena is always, you know, a fun time. There was yeah. you know, a few Anaheim Ducks fans that we ran into. So that was there kinda, was quite a few close yeah, to us. Kinda, so that was nice. Mm-hmm. That was a good experience. Yeah. And the best thing is that for this particular game, our, yes. our team won. We won. So we won awesome. five to two. And... And it was also, Adam pointed out to us that so far, every road trip that we've been on, Anaheim has won. Yes. So I almost feel obligated w- yes. to go to every road <laughs> game because we, we so far have been good luck for them. But I think our next game will be someplace in 2020. All right. So that was Saturday. And then then we're off to Sunday. And one of the things that was interesting on Sunday is the weather. Yes, so we were watching the weather. So we knew that uh, there was a cold front coming in, and we saw snow in the forecast. Mm-hmm. So we before we even left um, here from L.A., we knew that there was going to be snow on Sunday. So we brought clothes appropriate to snow. Layers, mm-hmm. gloves, hats, the works. Yes, and we were still cold. <laughs> yeah. So we were prepared for that. So always watch, you know, if you're going anywhere, especially if you're up in, you know, high altitude, make sure you look at the weather because it can change very quickly. Yeah. So for Sunday, we had, you know, there's a couple of things that we could have done. One of the options would have been to hit some of the museums in Denver itself. But being in the area only for a weekend, we took the opportunity to head out of town a little bit. We went to Golden, Colorado. Mm Mm-hmm. Where we have the Coors Brewing Company. Yeah. I think Adam was the one that kind of made the final decision. Because we were talking about either going to Coors and Golden or to the Stranahan's Distillery in Denver. And I'm, I'm kind of glad that we chose Golden, Colorado. Yeah, I enjoyed it a yeah, lot. Yeah. So given the experience that we had at the Molly Brown House, one, I was a little you know concerned on Saturday that, oh my gosh, is Coors going to be something similar where you have to have reservations in advance? 
So I got on the website. I called them too, and you know. Th- so the good news there was you did not need the reservations, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but we still plan to be there at the opening. And on Sunday, it turns out that they open at noon. Right. So we got there probably about a half hour or mm-hmm. so before. Made our way through the snow. I also wasn't sure what the driving was going to be like. Because uh, it doesn't snow in Southern yeah. California, and it was snowing. Yes, it was. So it wasn't it wasn't heavy snow, but it wasn't something that you were used to driving in. Yeah, not for the last twenty years yeah. or so. So yeah. we got there. You basically get in a line by the parking lot to get in a shuttle, and mm-hmm. so they'll shuttle you from this this main parking lot to where the brewery mm-hmm. is, and there you pay. I forget ten dollars for an adult. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, a nominal fee to get Mm -hmm. inside. Mm -hmm. And they've got, it's kind of like a modest tour, I would say. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, so they give you a headset. Mm -hmm. There's a few stops along the way where you get an opportunity to learn about their brewing process. Mm -hmm. See some of the premises. Mm -hmm. And they also have uh, a tasting room, Mm -hmm. your first tasting room that you enter into, where they had two beers and you got to choose between one or the other. Yeah, and I think the first stop was either what they call Coors Banquet, which is kind of the flagship, or Coors Light, I think. Coors Light. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it was both. The, yeah. You choose one or the other. Right, yeah. right. So I chose Coors Light. And I believe it was the one that was the freeze. They they brought it down to uh, the freezing very, level. Yeah, very cold so temperature. very cold. Yeah. There's kind of two places to taste. So there was the, this one room t- toward the end of the tour, but not quite at the end of the tour, where you got your first taste. And right. then when the tour concluded, then you you get dropped off at the main tasting room. Mm-hmm. And with your entry, you get an opportunity to try three different beers. And they probably had six to eight, I think, to choose from. Somewhere in that yes, neighborhood, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the tour itself, what what would you say? 20 minutes, 30 minutes? It wasn't like hugely long. I think it was a 20-minute tour because it seemed like we got through it rather quickly. Yeah. And it goes straight into the tasting room. Mm-hmm. So you get in the line, uh, it kind of funnels you into a line, and you get up to the front of the line, which didn't take that long. Mm-mm. And then you get to choose which beers that you want. So they'll tell you when you reach the front of the line what's available. You only get one at a time. At a time. And there's lots of tables or standing tables. I didn't see anywhere you could actually sit. But yeah. um, you know, you're it was a nice nice atmosphere. Yeah. One thing they didn't have though, there was no food. No. So I would have nothing. Yeah. Not even snacks. Yeah, I would have liked to have that they had option. vending machines. That's all they had because well, they had all these vending machines with yeah, all this that's not food. snacky food type of stuff in <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, because we've been to other breweries. I mean, I think about Stone Brewery in Escondido, just a phenomenal place that's got not only phenomenal beers, but an amazing on-premises restaurant. Mm-hmm. We've been to North Coast Brewery, a phenomenal beers, and also on-site restaurant. That would be a nice addition at Coors, but you know yeah. they did have the beer, so we took advantage of three tastings. Also, for me, I think a little bit of recognition that I was going to be the one behind the wheel, so didn't have the full full pours. No, I didn't have the full pours just because I didn't want too much. I wanted to stay yeah. feeling okay. Yeah. So I did half pours. So you can do the half pours there, too. You just ask them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we asked them to pour a little less on, on a, for a couple of the ones that we had. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so overall, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we went there. You know, Coors is in iconic American beer. So one of the things that we learned on the tour at the Coors Distillery was that in 1959, Adolph Coors introduced the very first all-aluminum can, and that same year launched a recycling revolution offering a penny for every returned can. So there's a bit of this uh, mm, kind of mm-hmm. you know, recycling history that also you know, we, we picked up at, at, at Coors and that they were a part of, so that was kind of neat too. There was also thousands of American soldiers that got their first taste of Coors beer in uh, World War II when half of the output of Coors was sent to the military, mm-hmm. which was a nice thing for them to do. Yes, it was. So, um, you know, when in Denver, a side trip to Golden, Colorado, which was, I don't know, 20 minutes maybe or so drive out of downtown Denver, a nice place to soak up something a little bit different. We also took a little opportunity just to go through the downtown area. Yeah, very nice 
downtown, uh, very quaint, Although kind was, of old westy yeah. type of atmosphere. And it was extremely cold. And it was cold. <laughs> yeah. So we we had lunch downtown there too, and that kind of that pretty much was our Sunday. And interestingly enough, we had sushi for lunch because my son loves sushi. Yeah, nothing says. Denver and Golden, Colorado, like sushi. <laughs> yes, but you know, I got a little daring and I tried some different stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So we turned our hockey bucket list trip to not only include a hockey game, but soaked up a little bit of downtown Denver, one additional town just outside of the main city, and a, a tour of one of America's iconic breweries. <laughs> <laughs> Say that again. Breweries. <laughs> Brewery. Say it again. It sounds funny. Beer company. <laughs> All right, so we also picked up some fun facts during our trip, so let's hit some of those, Julie. Okay, well, I had learned from you, actually, after you had read the plaque, Hmm. that the Denver omelet was developed to mask the taste of stale eggs because they were being shipped by uh, wagon freights. Mm -hmm. So they would get stale, and they had to add some more flavor or something in it so it would cover up that stale. And I'm thinking, how many sick people... (laughs) Yeah, that came from Denver omelets. <laughs> yeah, so so that that's that's a bit of neat history about the yeah. omelet. So next time you're having that, it wasn't so much the creation of a sh- a chef to make something fantastic out of an egg dish, but rather to uh, re- remedy a problem <laughs> with the yeah. eggs. Yeah, and that's how some great recipes are made. Yeah. We already mentioned that Denver is a mile high, so it is known as the Mile High City. Again, on the state capitol, if you go there, you're going to find the step that tells you the point where you're exactly 5,280 feet above sea level. Another thing that I learned about this place that is that high is if you're a golfer, golf balls go 10% farther in that type of atmosphere or that type of air. And if you're a drinker, cocktails and your alcoholic drinks are going to get you tipsy quicker than if you're drinking at sea level. So keep that in mind. And the other thing that if you're a coffee drinker, so let's say you're not an alcohol drinker, but you're a coffee drinker, your coffee is going to be cooler because water boils at 202 degrees at the mile high height versus its typical boiling temperature when you're at sea level. So there's a few things to know about being in the mile high city. The the other thing I, I will mention too just as a note of preparedness, and, and I found this more so as, as a tip to myself when we've gone camping in the mountains, um, I find it particularly helpful when I'm going to be in altitude to start pounding down the water oh, like yeah. the day before yes, a trip. Because yes. I've had trips where we've been in altitude and have not been sufficiently hydrated and have yeah. had massive headaches, which then turns your vacation into not the funnest time. Yeah. So I did start, you know, pounding down new water before this trip. We also did mix in the Coors beer <laughs> and, yeah. and brews at, at dinner. But um, yeah, I would stay as hydrated as, as you can mm. when you're in the altitude, as in Denver. Denver is a gold rush city. So in 1858, there was not one single person that lived in the Denver metro area, and 30 years later. It was a state with a population of almost 200,000. That's a lot of people in a short amount of time. In a time, short Julie. amount of time. Yeah. And this is what gold does to people. They also have some of the wildest events in the wild, wild west. And we kind of got that wild, wild west taste in Golden, which was a nice experience. It's a fascinating period that you can uh, kind of relive in some of their museums in the old gold mining villages and um, a lot, hundreds and hundreds of uh, the old elegant Victorian buildings, such Mm -hmm. as the Molly Brown House. Mm -hmm. One other place that's of note in Denver is the Denver Mint. And I didn't know this, but they produce 40 million coins every single day or a total of 8 billion coins every single year. So when you get your U.S. coins, and if you see the little D mark that's on them, those would denote that they come from the Denver Mint. Most of their output is pennies. So 70% Mm -hmm. of all the coinage that they strike there are are pennies. They also hold $100 billion worth of solid gold bars and have the second largest gold bullion deposit in the United States. 
So there's also tours you could take of the Denver Mint. I think when we were there, I think it was probably, I think that's a Monday through Friday thing. Right. Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure. And even if it wasn't, you know, our time did not not allow. But if you have more time in Denver, that's probably a pretty neat place to go to. We did come across the political protesters in front of the Mint. We did. We did. And we had a little conversation with them. And they were very nice people. Adam was loving it. Oh, yeah. I bet that happens fairly frequently in front of the Mint is my guess. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. But I mean, as long as it's peaceful, I have no problem with it. So we had just a weekend to soak up a little bit about Denver. We got a chance to soak up downtown, as we mentioned, you know, hockey game, Golden. But as always, we we sometimes think about if we had more time, what else would we have done? Just more of Denver. I would I would have loved to stay another couple of days just to see mm. more of not only Denver but uh, some of the outlying uh, cities around Denver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, two things that I had on the list that just time didn't allow in the city of Golden is the Buffalo Bill Museum. Mm -hmm. It's also where he's buried. I would have liked to have gone there. We will do that on another trip down Mm -hmm. the road. And the other place I'd like to go to is Red Rocks. Yes, I would have loved to have gone there. Yeah, that probably would be ideal to attend um, a concert at. Yeah. But there's also hiking trails around there. So you know, maybe someday we'll get back there and, and soak up some of that. So if yeah. you have more time, and probably if the weather is better, because I think that's one of the things we might have done on Sunday if it if it did not snow. Right. But with the snow, I don't think we were quite yeah. prepared for hiking in that kind of weather. So no, no, we were prepared to be in downtown. Yeah. But so we substituted yeah. Red Rock hiking for the Coors Distillery. Yes, and <laughs> or, it I'm sorry, very well for the Coors Brewery. No whiskey at Coors. No, you're thinking of Stranahan's. Yeah. So that's a recap of our weekend hockey trip to Denver, Colorado. We'll be back with more episodes and uh, we'll be continuing our excursion of the UK. So we still have many more episodes to come to you on the UK, but we did want to get this recent trip in, this domestic one that we did. So stay tuned for more and we will be back soon. Bye-bye. Bye. If you have any comments or info to share with us about travel, you can write us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. Right now we're on Twitter and Instagram, both at The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now.